0: Hello, and welcome to this podcast, Bites, the podcast where we discuss hot topics in veterinary medicine, as well as providing useful information to pet owners.
1: I'm Kirsten Shelton-Aziz, and I am sitting next to Dr. James Matthews, and today we are going to be discussing the topic, the very controversial topic, of bee-clawing, to do or not to do.
0: So typically we're going to start off by uh, answering some emails. Since this is our first episode, obviously we don't have any emails to answer. But if you would like to write in with uh, any questions... Um, The email address is thispodcastbytes at gmail.com.
1: And if you enjoy this podcast, please do not forget to like, rate, and review on wherever you are listening to this podcast right now.
0: So we're going to start off today with uh, our hero of the week, which is where we give a shout out to a person or organization that has done something really special for their cat or or dog, or for the you know health of animals in general. Um, this week, I would like to give a shout out to uh, Kristen with her cat Penelope. Uh, Penelope was a cat with some pretty severe stomatitis, um, which is a condition where the immune system starts kind of attacking the teeth and the gingiva and the mouth. And um, we had to do a number of procedures on on Penelope to get her better. Um, and you know, I felt Kristen really went above and beyond for her for her cat so just wanted to give a shout out to her.
1: Yay Kristen!
0: (laughs) So uh, we're going to start off today uh, with our kind of small topic before we get into into declawing with some information for you know pet owners that every pet owner should have and what I'd like to start uh, talking about today is you know is this an emergency Um, and so what we're what we're going to try and get into here is you know If, for instance, something starts to happen with your pet on Friday, let's say Friday afternoon, can it wait over the weekend or, you know, can, do you need to rush into the emergency clinic right then?
1: Maybe we should define emergency.
0: (laughs) Right. And so, (laughs) so it's important to remember that when we're talking about an emergency, you know, what we're saying is do you need to go in right away so at no point you know would I recommend waiting a week or two weeks or a month if you start to notice something abnormal going on so what we're talking about here is do you need to go into the emergency room right away or can this kind of wait a couple of days over the weekend to get into your regular veterinarian um, and so I think you know breaking it down it would be easiest to do it by kind of body system when we're talking about, you know, is something an emergency or not. So what I mean by that is, you know, starting off, for instance, getting into kind of the um, neurologic system. So things like, you know, um, seizures, um, tremors, abnormal behavior, I think those things in general are emergencies. Um, totally. That's that's really not something you want to wait on at all. So if you ever notice your pet, um, you know, starting to act very strangely, um,
1: head tilt,
0: head tilt, exactly. Um, you know, circling behavior, bumping into walls, any sort of tremoring or seizures, all of those things are emergencies. So that's that's really not something that you want to wait over the weekend and try and kind of get in. Um, you know, when the when the next week rolls around, the only caveat to that I would say is that you know, and and many people who, who own animals that have seizures will already know this. But if you, you know, if your animal already has seizures, they're on you know an appropriate um, anti seizure medication. It's working well for them, and they have a single seizure that ends fairly quickly. Obviously, you don't have to rush into the into the ER every single time. However, um, you know, multiple seizures, you know, a seizure that lasts longer than a minute or two in duration, um, you know, even if you know that your pet has seizures, if they have a particularly severe seizure, that's, that's again, not something you want to wait on.
1: Yeah, I also want to bring up the point that um, a lot of times when, you know, these, these types of things happen, you'll get your pet to the emergency room and then they'll be seemingly perfectly normal. So, one thing that I usually advise pet parents to do is to whip out your phone um, and record the behavior, and that'll be something that's really, really helpful when you get to the vet, because they're probably, you know, more times than, than not, you know, they're probably gonna be normal by the time you get to the vet, um, unless they're having, you know, a, a really long, you know, what we call a grand mal seizure. Um, so just always any sort of abnormal behavior that your pet displays, please, please record it because it's really helpful.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, that's actually good advice just in general if you're seeing anything, you know, that you're concerned about or that's abnormal with your pet, whether it's neurologic or something else, you know, always take a little video, um, because it it can be very helpful in terms of figuring out what's going on. Um, so, alright, uh, so that's kind of the... Um, you know, anything neurologic, definitely an emergency. Um, So the next thing we can talk about, I think, is um, issues with urination defecation. So, um, if your pet is um, having diarrhea, um, unless it's very severe, you see a significant amount of blood in it, um, typically that's not an emergency. So that's something that that can usually wait. same thing with you know fecal incontinence or or um you know
1: You mean diarrhea <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you know pooping in abnormal locations, anything like that. Um that can typically wait. Um similarly, constipation, um, unless it's associated with other clinical signs. So, you know, constipation with severe abdominal discomfort, you know, you wanna go ahead and take that in. But if it's just you know, if you're if you're worried that your pet hasn't hasn't pooped in, in a day or two, you're worried about some constipation developing, usually not an emergency unless it's you know associated with other clinical signs.
1: And if it didn't gross you out too much, bring us a sample.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that way we don't have to get it.
1: We because. like, we like poop.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I get it that far. But.
1: A lot of times, um, you know, when they're having diarrhea, it's really, really hard for us to get a fecal sample, so please bring us the poop.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, so so then moving on to urination, um, this is a, it's a little bit tougher to parse out because you know urinary issues can become an emergency fairly quickly. So you know, point number one is if you ever see your pet straining to urinate mm-hmm. and they don't seem to be able to actually urinate, but they're sitting there straining, better safe than sorry. Um, I would recommend bringing them in immediately,
1: especially if it's a male cat.
0: Mm-hmm because um, the, the the big concern there is um, an obstruction a urinary obstruction and that can that can become fatal in less than 24 hours in many cases and so it's really not something you want to wait on um, now if they're just you know if they're urinating in abnormal um, you know places or if they're kind of um, if they're posturing to urinate, but but you've seen them urinate multiple times um, within the, the past 24 hour period, um, then that may be a sign of something like a urinary tract infection and usually those can, those can wait a couple of days um, to be seen and treated, but again, um, if you ever notice severe straining to urinate or if you've noticed that in a 24-hour period your animal hasn't urinated, um, those things are, are 100% an emergency. Um, all right, what should we talk about next? A limp. Um, mm. This is another tough one, um, but <laughs> um, typically if it's a if it's a mild limp, um, you know, it can wait over the weekend. Um, if it's a limp that's associated with some sort of trauma, you know, obviously being hit by a car, you know, a mm-hmm. big fall, something like that. I would not recommend that that weight, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if there's any sort of instability to the limb, you see any sort of part of the limb dangling or anything like that. Uh,
1: yeah. Also,
0: yeah. obviously not.
1: Dangling is weight. an
0: emergency. Dangling is bad.
1: And, yes. um, a lot of times with, um, with fractures, we'll see some swelling, um, and some tenderness to the touch so if your pet like screams or tries to bite you or anything like that then you know chances are you have a broken
0: something right so you want to go ahead and get those in right away um you know mild limp um still bearing a little bit of weight on the limb but just seems uncomfortable um, those can typically wait unless it's progressing so if it starts off mild and then you know by the next day is a lot more severe um just go ahead and get them in
1: also this should go without saying but you would be so surprised hit by cars are always an emergency and if your pet gets hit by a car and they're lying in the middle of the road or you know or in your driveway or anything like that please do not attempt to use your bare hands to pick them up um always slide a towel or a sheet or a blanket or something like that underneath them because even the sweetest pet in the world When they are in pain, they will bite. Mm -hmm. So please keep yourself and your pet safe and get them to the emergency room as soon as possible if they are hit by a car.
0: Absolutely. And as Kirsten alluded to, um, any hit by car is an emergency. Even if, you know, you got a big dog, he gets hit, he pops right back up and seems fine. Do not wait on that. Get him in to see a doctor. Let's Um, talk about
1: fight wounds.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think... um, honestly i think any bite wound is an emergency um unless you know if it's if it's a very minor bite wound from like either your own pet like one of your own pets to another of your own pets or a pet that you know very well you know their vaccine status etc um then you know maybe not an emergency although pretty almost you want to get
1: in as soon as possible yeah though like in the next couple of days you want to get into your vet you don't want to wait like two weeks until the thing starts looking infected.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. And also, um, you know, any bite wound from an animal that you don't know, no matter how minor, is an emergency because the recommendation, even if your pet is vaccinated for rabies, the recommendation after any bite wound is revaccination on that day. And so, you know, rabies, I cannot say this enough, is not something you want to mess around with. It's fatal to people, it's fatal to animals, um, once, you know, if, if it progresses far enough, unless it's basically treated immediately in people, um, it's fatal, and there's no treatment for it. And so... Um, Full-on
1: so zombie apocalypse. And you don't want to know how we have to test for that. <laughs> Not even gonna get into Correct. it.
0: Correct. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, um, bite wound, get your get your animal, animal in. Um, what else can we talk about? Let's see. We did urinary issues um
1: I mean if you know how about this if you have any are is this an emergency questions um please please do email us at this podcast bites at gmail.com yeah
0: last thing this just came to mind um with vomiting um typically one episode of vomiting you know might not be an emergency but I I usually say two or more in a single day or if you know the vomiting um, doesn't resolve so like if you have an episode of vomiting one morning and then the next morning another episode of vomiting um, that's definitely not something you want to wait on. Um, mm-hmm. Diarrhea is, you know, a little bit less concerning, so like a little bit of GI upset, a little bit of diarrhea. If not they big acting Yeah, yeah, but multiple episodes of vomiting, um, that's not something you want to wait on because the big concern there is um, is a foreign body. If they were to, you know, ingest some sort of toy or string or something like that, um, you know, that can, that can become a, a big problem very quickly.
1: And y'all, um, please bear in mind that this is in no way an attempt to diagnose anything that may be going on with your particular pet. Um, so all in all, you know your pet better than anyone, so, you know, always err on the side of caution. It's better to be safe than sorry, but this is just our way of trying to offer some helpful advice. Um, you know, without you, you know, having to to panic too
0: much. Absolutely, not an exhaustive list, certainly. And also, you know, I mean, this is these are rules of thumb. They're not going to apply perfectly in every single case. But um, you know, it's just um, words um, for the wise. Exactly. And and um, one one more thing that I'd like to kind of um, add into this: um, skin issues, ear issues, that kind of stuff. Most of the time, those can wait over the weekend and just come in next week. Um, I guess the only caveat to that would be, you know, if your pet seems utterly miserable and is is scratching their skin off or something like that, you know. <laughs>
1: okay, a nasty like open hot spot.
0: Yeah, then then probably get those in. But you know, if they're itchy, if they're uncomfortable, you see, you know, a couple hot spots developing. Usually not an emergency there.
1: And um, just in case you guys don't know what hot spots are, they are like these little. Spots on the skin, you know, your pet has kind of scratched and they can literally happen overnight Mm -hmm. um, Or within a matter of hours if your pets chewing at that area or scratching at it or licking at it And it kind of becomes like raw and irritated and you know, you know Notice that they've licked or scratched or you know all the hair off um, that that's a hot spot
0: Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so with that, I think we can move on to our main topic of decline. Now, understand that uh, you know this is a this is a controversial issue. Um, there's really not you know a kind of a a, a be all and end all answer for for instance whether decline should be performed or not. So understand that you know what you're about to hear. Um, are our opinions on the issue and where possible we back up those opinions with scientific data. Um, so, you know, try not to zone out too bad when we <laughs> get deep into the science of things. But, Don't uh, blind
1: us with science, Dr. Right, that's please. right. So, <laughs>
0: so, so we're gonna give you all, uh, you know, some um, some statistics for, from, um, you know, some recent scientific papers here. But, but you know, it is a matter of, of our informed opinions on the topic.
1: So to start off, Please give us your unbiased, scientific explanation of what decline is. Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll
0: start off. Right. So, I think, yeah, it's important to understand what decline is. So, the easiest way I can explain it is if you look at your own hand um, and, you know, you've got um, kind of the knuckles in the middle of the hand and then you've got another joint if you move out. Um, kind of towards the edge of like your the fingers. the tips of your fingers. Right, yeah. so where your fingernails are, you've got that little joint um, in between your fingernails and your knuckles. And so what, what declawing is, is we basically cut at that joint and remove um, the phalanges, or um, you know, basically the, the tips of the fingers.
1: You're taking the tip of the cat's finger off.
0: Correct. Yeah. Um, so, it's not, you know, many people think of it as just like, oh, surgically removing the nail. That's not what it is. It's taking an entire joint off of each um, finger of the cat. So, that's what declawing is. Um, and so, you know, I guess the big question that we're trying to get into here is, you know, should it be done at all? In what situations is it appropriate? Um, I think. You know, Kirsten and I have a little bit of a differing view on that little point. Little so, right.
1: I mean, look, I partially agree with you, but you you go ahead, you
0: start off. All right. All kick
1: right. it off. Kick it off.
0: So, in my opinion, as a veterinarian, man, I that think...
1: sounded really in my Mar, <laughs> <laughs> like it. I swear, he doesn't have like mutton chops. Anyway, go ahead.
0: <laughs> so, uh, I I don't think that declawing should be done at all. I think that we as a society, basically, should outlaw declawing, much as it has been done in the UK, for instance. Um, declawing is, is not allowed to be performed there, it's not a procedure that they do at all, and I think that we should emulate that here. Um, because in my opinion, it is an unnecessary procedure, um, and it is a procedure I mean, as with any surgical procedure, there are a number of, of complications that can occur, and um, there are also a number of kind of changes that can occur post-operatively with with your cat, um, which we will get into. Um, and so that's my opinion on it. I don't. I think that we should strive to kind of do away with it um, because I think that part of owning a cat is. Um, getting
1: your furniture getting, <laughs> getting your furniture
0: torn up, sure, and 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 potentially occasionally getting scratched yourself, and um, you know, so the difficult thing about it is, I and the the kind of well, I'll, I'll make I'll let Kirsten make the the contrasting argument. So that's that's how I'll.
1: I mean, look, I mostly agree with you here on the you know on the decline, but. Um, you know, I don't. I don't feel like it should be totally banned. Like I, I think in certain instances, like I, you know, most people who are I don't like to say cat owners and owners, most people who are cat servants, because <laughs> um, <laughs> that's really what that's you accurate. are. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, they don't mind the scratching and this, that, and the third. But, you know, I, I totally understand if somebody pays like ten grand for a sofa and then the cats like you know, coming around like scratch, 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 you know, especially you've gotten them like, oh, the scratching posts and this thing and the catnip sprinkles all over the cardboard thingies that you're supposed to, and they totally walk past that and just like go to town on your sofa. So, you know, that is not really a huge deal for me. Um, You know, but, and, and maybe for a lot of people, but some people really want to enjoy having a cat but you know maybe don't want their furniture jacked up or if they're fighting with their partner or something and they're saying you know this cat's gonna go back to the shelter or you know basically the only way for me that cat declawing is okay or that I'm ever okay with it is if it comes down to the cat being homeless or being put in a shelter because I mean let's be honest it's very difficult to you know we've got people You know, out here working super diligently at, you know, TNR, um, trap, neuter, release, or, you know, getting cats spayed and neutered and stressing the importance of spaying and neutering your cat, um, your cats, and cats are, you know, and that's for good reason. Cats are extremely hard to rehome because there are so many in in the shelters and so many at the rescues that you know you'll find a lot of rescues will say we're full and we can't take anymore, you know. And if it comes down to that cat not having a home or your spouse dropping the cat off on the street somewhere, you know, and that causing I mean that would be divorce for me, <laughs> um, you know, your cat. And you know, I I think that's the only situation that ever makes it okay in my opinion so you know i mostly agree with you but you know there is just that that one thing where i'm like okay well i mean i guess if you absolutely have to then i understand
0: yeah and i hear that i do hear that um and you know i like if you look at an individual animal and you know the options are okay this animal is going to be declawed or this animal is, you know, going to be put out on the street or back in the shelter. Obviously, I agree that like it's better for a cat to have a home and no claws than no home and claws. But I guess my opinion is like until we as a profession take it take a stand on this and say, you know, this is not a surgery that we're going to perform for all these reasons. And I'm going to get into why part of the reason why I feel this way. Um, you know, until we take a stand on that and just say, we're not doing it, you know, it's gonna it's gonna continue to exist in our culture. You, and you and mean
1: it, stop doing it so freely, like no, you want just, your cat, club? All right.
0: No, no, no. Um, I mean stop doing it at all. Because I, I think that while we continue to perform the surgery, then people are going to continue to see it as an option. And until we basically categorically say this is not an option, then you know, people are going to Adopt a cat with the understanding that hey my furniture might get scratched up and Sure, you know, and and that's just how it goes with cat ownership And it's also worth mentioning too And I'm gonna let you get into this because I think you're even options. Yeah Yeah. more well versed in that than I am, but there are there are plenty of options. Yeah, sure um, That you can you know that you can try before declawing and yes, of course It's going to require some effort, but I think it's worth the effort. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I, I mean, really so
1: I've, I've been on both sides here, you know, I had a cat that um, I got from a rescue and, um, you know, he came out of kind of a bad situation and I was still living, you know, still, you know, a teenager at the time and, you know, he was kind of screwing up the furniture. So my mom was like, either you get rid of this cat or, you know, you know, the rest. <laughs> so I, I had him. Um, declawed and um, it you know, it was a it was a laser declaw procedure as opposed to the um, You know as done, with, it's done with a surgical laser as opposed to being done with a you know with a scalpel mm-hmm. um, and You know, I found it to be you know a Much better for you know procedure and you know in that regard um, and He, he lived a, a long happy life. Um you know, however, if, if I had, you know, had my say, of course I wouldn't have gotten him declawed, but it came down to, you know, either that or me having to get rid of him. And I, I really, really loved him and he was a great cat. Right. Um, shout out Kiddly man.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to argue against myself here for a second, which probably not wise of me to do. But um, <laughs> most of the papers that I read when they talk about, you know, owner satisfaction with the procedure, um, by and large, you know the vast majority of owners that have that procedure done are satisfied with the results and with how their cat a- acts afterwards and all that stuff. Um, but that's not really, you know, the point for me. I think, sure. you know, regardless of how the owners feel, you, you think know not it my... Takes
1: away from them like their their cat thing, like right? Being I mean, a cat.
0: yeah, my duty their is to behavior. my patients, sure. not. Sure. Absolutely. So, anyway. We're I-
1: not in this for human satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. Right, right, right. Um, no, okay. And so, just to get into the options here, my cats now um, um, dart and fur fur. They wear soft paws, um, softpaws.com. Um, that's, you know.
0: So, what are, what are soft just, paws?
1: So, soft paws are nail caps that. Um, They fit over the nail and they come in a variety of colors. My cats usually get some variety of glitter because I really like glitter and my cats don't care. So um, basically it comes with, you know, pretty safe glue um, that you put inside of the nail caps and then it gets glued like over your cat's nail. Um, My cats tolerate this pretty well. Um, If your cat will not tolerate it, you know, maybe a nice groomer or someone will put them on for you or, you know, if your vet office will agree to do it. Um, you know, they, you know, you might be able to get those on and they're put on about every six weeks or so. And it's really fun because you get to change the colors up, um, and you're not declawing your cat and they still are like, yeah, I'm going to claw on this cardboard or I'm going to claw on this sofa. And you're like, hi, ah, you're not messing up anything.
0: <laughs> nice try.
1: Yeah, n- exactly. Um. um, so, so one cat zero, um, so soft paws are a great um great option they do sell like i think like something called soft claws or like some you know at like pet supply stores in my opinion and my experience these have not don't work as well as the name brand soft paws um, because I feel like the the softballs like the the plastic that they're made out of is much softer and, and more flexible And you know, they don't come off as easily, but that's just you know Try it out and you know See what you think if you have an opinion that you want to share you can definitely email us and let us know
0: mm mm-hmm. um, Also, it's worth noting that uh, You know training is a big you know, is a big possibility with these guys a lot of people think uh, like you know, cats don't respond well to training. That is absolutely not true. Um,
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, i am never trained again Or Please.
0: Well, all right. So, so training is a great option for a lot of these guys. Um, You know, it's about communicating and I mean, you know, dogs too. Um, And, you know, we think of dogs more classically with um, when we think of training, but, but, Regardless of what type of animal you have, it really all training is, is is kind of communicating what is allowed and what is not allowed, and what you would like from your animal in a way that they can understand, um, with which you know. For cats, is a lot more difficult than it is for dogs. I, but. I feel
1: like that kind of takes away part of a cat's charm, though, is like, <laughs> <'cause> like <laughs> we know that cats are jerks, like, you know, people that love cats, and it's like part of that thing of like, being a cat is like, I don't care what you like, I'm gonna do this, I do what I want.
0: Listen, I mean, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> um, I love my cat to do whatever the hell she wants, and I think it's hilarious. But I also don't care that she tears up my furniture. You yeah, know I mean? sure. Like
1: some people do. So how, like, right. what are, how can you like tell a cat like I don't like that you're doing this and like actually have them care?
0: Well, as with you know with any animal, um, cats, dogs, what have you, um, the the most important part of training is consistency. So, for instance, you know we we um, talk about. You know discouraging certain behaviors in the cat and so for instance if it's if it's you know clawing up the furniture then um, one thing you can do is get like a little squirt bottle because typically cats hate water Um, and anytime you see them start to do that you know you just hit them with a little squirt to let them you know and tell them no and they'll eventually (laughs) you know, five years later. No, <laughs> no, but <laughs> Never. They, they will eventually get the message. And the, the most important thing is consistency. So if, if sure. your cat gets away with it sometimes and then yeah, other times, I don't think it's like you know, totally cool. Yeah. Like, you yeah, got to get so,
1: everybody in the house on board with it too,
0: you know, absolutely. And every single time, you know, they, they start to scratch in a place that's, that's not all right. Um, you need to let them know.
1: Or, you know, pooping in your house plants. Yeah, I mean, sure,
0: sure. You know, any any unwanted behavior. Yeah, but, sure. Um, but, you know, and then, um, as was alluded to in the past, I mean, another really great option is providing, you know, kind of alternate things for your cat to scratch on. So, scratching posts, you know, um, toys, all, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, things where the cat's... Are allowed to sharpen yeah. their claws. My cat's that.
1: like those little cardboard things that you get, and I just get the refills for them, and mm-hmm. I sprinkle some catnip in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, perfection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh,
1: actually, when actually when I got those cardboard things, um, Furfur used to scratch on the dining room chairs um, before I got the soft paws for him. Um, that's actually what made me try the soft paws. But um, now, ever since I got those cardboard things, he doesn't even care about the dining room chairs anymore. So yeah, try those out and sprinkle some of the nip on them.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the nip. The nip. Um, that is a
1: nip gotta give nip. me some of that nip. <laughs> gotta get <gotta laughs> some nip in
0: here. Um, So, uh, and just to go back to training for a little bit, you know, if you are trying some of those things with your cat and you feel like you're, you know, not getting a response that you want, there are also, you know, behaviorists and trainers that you can work with um, that'll, that'll kind of give give you a program to work through with your individual animal and I think that that is you know pretty much priceless when it comes to um, eliminating you know unwanted behaviors or what have you. Um, Having kind of a plan of action that you can you know work through and take multiple Mm -hmm. different steps and all that stuff is very important. Yeah
1: cats need a lot of activity too so make sure they've got plenty of toys um, you know, and that you spend time playing with them every day because that interaction is super important for them. Um, you know, they're not just, you know, they, they care about spending that time with you and mm-hmm. they do need that play, um, to, to kind of, you know, for them to be able to act out some of their instinctive behaviors, Absolutely. you know, hunting, things like that. So get those fun toys, but make sure if it's like a string toy or something like that, Put it up when you're done playing with it. Don't leave that out for your cat to kind of free play with because... (laughs) Asking for trouble. Seriously. I mean, you're asking for like a, what, $3,000 intestinal surgery. So that's never fun. But yeah, yeah, um, you know, make sure because, you know, sometimes that can kind of help curb some undesirable behavior as well. Um, And then I believe um, also at our clinic, we, um, we... offer the noble feeding system, which is super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you can Google that if you're interested in learning more about it, but basically it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things of like, it's feeding your cat in a way that caters more to their instincts. Um, probably getting a little bit off topic here, but I mean, it, it kind of, it, we're tying into cat behavior here. So, um, I guess not really, but um, it, I mean, basically you're, you, it's taking away your cat's bowl and it's, you know, letting making them, them yeah, it's making them hunt for them. their food. So yes. you're, it's, it's kind of like these little, they've got these little mice, um, that are like these little plastic mice, um, super cute. And you put your cat's dry food in, and, and dry food in them and, um, like <laughs> hide them around the house. And, you know, your cat has to seek them out and like get the food out of them. It's really fun. Um, if your cat is not lazy like mine. <laughs>
0: thank, thank you for that extremely long-winded explanation.
1: Ah, okay.
0: <laughs> if you're still with us. Well. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to get into some of the reasons that, you know, or some of the complications that we can see with declawing. Because again, I mean, listen, if you feel strongly one way or the other... This this is probably not going to convince you, you know. For instance, not to declaw your cat. I
1: feel like the people that declaw, they don't really like want to do it. You know right. what I mean? Like, but hey, right? Well, I know what you mean. The people that feel like like it's like it's it they're kind of like it's just okay with it, and they feel like it's just like a thing. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. And, and so so you know, if you feel that way, then fine. Um, you know, that's your prerogative as a cat owner. And You're I think off
1: that science on us.
0: <laughs> here we go. So. I think it's important that you go, you know, if you do decide to declaw, that you really kind of know what the potential complications are and and what you're getting yourself into. Um, And so, first, I want to bring up a study. This is from the um, Journal of Feline um, Medicine and Surgery. Um, This was done, this study done in 2018. Um, So it's a a very recent study, um, and it was a study of 137 declawed and 137 non-declawed cats. Um, And there were some shelter cats, and there were also cats that were owned in there as well. And so they they kind of looked at the behaviors of these cats. um, You know, the the control group or the group that wasn't declawed um, were just kind of monitored throughout the study. And then they looked at the, the cats that were declawed, how their behavior changed. And um, the results of the study showed that the declawed cats had um, significant increases in the odds of developing um, what they refer to as periuria or parakezia, which means urinating or defecating, you know, in spots where they're not supposed to, outside the litter box. Um, Increases in the odds of developing back pain, um, developing biting behavior, and developing barbering, which is basically just kind of Pulling their fur out or over-grooming um, compared with the control group. And so it was shown as well that uh, you know, surgical technique played a role in the development of those signs. So sometimes after the surgery, um, you know, the surgical technique is poor. There are little pieces of the bone left behind at the surgical site, um, and that will significantly um, you know, make it more likely that that some of those um, abnormal behaviors will occur. However, even with perfect surgical technique, um, it was shown in this paper that, you know, the odds of biting behavior, the odds of um, urinating outside of the litter box um, significantly, you know, were were worse in the cats that were declawed than the ones that weren't. Um, And, you know, I think that's important because when we think of, you know, reasons people give up their animals, I mean, what's basically the main one. If it's not scratching up the furniture, it's urinating outside of the litter box.
1: Yeah. And yeah, so that's
0: a big one. So, you know, I mean you need to realize that
1: unless you're a man, I'm like pee on whatever <laughs>
0: Right. Unless you're a crazy cat person. I
1: swear my house is clean though, y'all. Right. <laughs> my cats don't do that,
0: but just No, but seriously though, I mean if you know, if you're considering um you Know having your cat declawed because you're sick of them scratching up the furniture, for instance, uh, you need to realize that you are risking, you know, fixing one problem and then all of a sudden, sure, on I your mean, furniture.
1: it may that was not my personal experience, but I understand you're just telling us like that can happen,
0: absolutely. And so, you know, and I think it's for instance, like if if a cat were scratching up the furniture, so you know, their owner decided to have them declawed, um. Or else they were going to give them up and then the cat starts urinating outside the litter box after the declaw they, The cat gets given up anyway. I mean
1: that sucks and doesn't have claws. Yeah, oh, yeah man. And I think okay. it's gonna be
0: harder to find the, That cat at home than the cat with claws, you know what I mean? If a cats sure you're declaw
1: cats, cats stop letting them outside
0: Yeah yeah. Well, <laughs> that that goes without saying I mean, well, actually, no, it I, doesn't. Guess it doesn't. I Guess it doesn't but <laughs> if you declaw your cats they need to be in the wrong I mean, that's... You have got
1: to be prepared to have an indoor-only cat. You cannot declaw your cat. You cannot take away your cat's first line of defense and then go, all right, well, hope you don't meet any coyotes. You're right, you're right,
0: you're right. Yeah, no. That... um, Your cat needs to be indoor-only if they get declawed. But regardless, um, you know, those are some of the, you know, um, the complications or the risks with performing that surgery that a lot of people don't know about or don't think about. Um, So I have another study here from um, JAVMA, or the Journal of American Veterinary Medical Association. Um, This was done in 2001. Um, In the study, 39 cats um, were declawed um, and 13 of 39, so 33% of those cats had at least one behavioral problem that began after surgery, Hmm. Um, 6 of 39, so 15% of cats um would not use the litter box Um, two out of 39 um did not would use the litter box but did not cover their feces anymore Um, and seven out of 39 cats um, had an increase in biting habits or the intensity of biting following um, declawing and you know one of the reasons why that uh that abnormal behavior with urinating defecating happens is because After being declawed, you know, the cats go to use the litter box and it hurts for a while and so they they start to learn You know that they don't want to use the litter because it's uncomfortable for them And once they learn that, you know, it can be difficult or Oh, for them to want to go back in there. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um,
1: Should people who like absolutely have to declaw their cat, should they change litter altogether?
0: Well, I mean, I think, you know, initially it's better after a declaw to use the, um, the pelleted litter. Cats. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. Because, you know, it's not going to kind of get into those the granules or get
1: so yeah, into their little fingers.
0: Oh. Yeah, but, um, but in terms, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard or impossible really to know, you know, which cats that's going to become an issue with. And sure. changing the litter may help, but it also might not help.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so I mean basically you're gambling here and getting your cat declawed. And that's a thing that um a lot of people, I mean myself included, you know, I had no clue because, you know, it just wasn't my personal experience and I I, you know, I've never heard, you know, a pet parent come back and say say that, you know, after their pet's been declawed. So that's really great to know.
0: Absolutely. And you know, it's important to mention that, you know, these these complications or these behavior changes are not common after the surgery, but they are possible. It means there's
1: a chance; it can and happen. Absolutely,
0: yeah. and so you know you need to be aware of the risks. Um, certainly, if you're gonna, if you're gonna consider that.
1: So, do you want a scratched-up chair or peed-on pajamas?
0: <laughs> Basically, we <laughs> need That's what it to the comes bottom. down to here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I have something else here. Um, one of the big uh, arguments that I hear in favor of declawing is for immunocompromised owners. Um, you know, it can be it can be dangerous for an immunocompromised owner sure. to own a cat um, because um, you know. Any sort of scratch, bite, etc. Um, you know, you're at a you're at a big risk for developing infection there. Sure. Um, and so, you know, a question that I always hear is, you know, let's say somebody, for instance, has developed HIV or AIDS. Um, you know, they own a cat, they want to get it declawed. Um, what do I think about yeah, that? Yeah,
1: this could be their kitty that they've had for a really long time. You know.
0: Absolutely. And so, you know, that's part of the reason I wanted to bring this up. So, what I have here, um, the uh, CDC, the National Institute of Health, um, and the HIV Medicine Association of Infectious Disease, uh, Association of the Infectious Disease Society of America came out with a gigantic like 500 page report uh, called Guidelines for the Prevention and Treatment of Opportunistic Infections in HIV Infected Adults and Adolescents. Mm-hmm. So that is the, you know, that's a mouthful, but basically sure. what it is, is it's a guide for people with HIV to lower their risk of infections. Um, And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because as a part of this guide, um, they talk about owning cats, owning pets, and um, in this guide it says that in most cases, um, declawing is not recommended for um, people with HIV and AIDS with um, with cats. Um, so they recommend, right. as you do, might do expect. Do they give a reason? They don't. Um, mm-hmm. And I imagine, I mean, they probably looked into it if they're doing it. We well, of course they did. Yeah. And they don't, they don't really get into why they make that recommendation. Mm-hmm. I imagine that it is probably because of some of the things we've talked about, because it, you know, it does tend to increase biting behavior in some cats. Sure. And, a, and a bite is much worse than a scratch. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, the potential for infection, but regardless of why they made the recommendation, um, that, that is in fact a recommendation, sure. that you do not declaw your cat. Now they also, as you might expect, say things in there like, you should take steps to avoid getting scratched or bitten by your animal and avoid <laughs> rough play and that kind of stuff. Sure. So, you know, um, they do they do kind of mention that, that infection is... Don't move is your a, feet under the cover. Correct, <laughs> right, correct. Right. Um, but I just, I wanted to put that out there because I think it is... Um, you know, it's misinformation, I think, that, you know, a lot of people assume, oh, if you have HIV and you have a cat, you have to get a declaw, sure. but in fact, the recommendation is not to do that, so. I didn't know
1: that either, interesting. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um, so that's kind of, you know, that's what I've got. I mean, that's that's kind of my case uh, against declawing. I think that, as I said, I mean, it is an elective surgery, and it, it's worth mentioning, too, that um, in addition to the complications that we've discussed, I mean, anytime any animal goes under anesthesia for mm-hmm. any reason. Mm-hmm. There, there are risks there and yeah. um, you know, I mean, I think we do we as a profession um, Do do a very good job of, of controlling those risks and of being very careful with anesthesia, mm-hmm. but despite that um, You know, there are complications that occur and you know, I mean sure it's a it's a tiny percentage But there are animals that die every year from going under anesthesia yeah. and I um, think
1: um, Maybe in another another episode too. We can touch on you know, surgical procedures and general anesthesia versus, um, you know, sedation for certain procedures. And also, you know, why essentially, you know, in in a lot of surgical procedures, um, you know, you kind of get what you pay for. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, yeah. seriously. No. yes yeah, it's, it's, um, it's so it. I think, you know, we'll we'll definitely touch on that in in another episode that would be, you know, something worth, you know, yeah, worth getting into worth like getting a, into. It, worth its own discussion.
0: hmm Um But, you know, I think that so so, you know, the, the point I wanted to make now is that it's important to remember that any surgical procedure carries with it risks, and so one of the reasons why, you know, I'm against declawing as a practitioner is because I think that, in my opinion, it's an unnecessary risk um, that you're putting your animal through. And I think that there are steps that you can take to, um, you know, to make your cat stop scratching up your furniture without taking their claws away. But I think at the end of the day. Um, you know, as a cat owner, um, in my opinion, you cat should... Cat servant? Yeah, as a cat, <laughs> that's right. As a cat servant, um, you should commit to potentially having your furniture scratched up. And, you know, that's it's, my opinion. It's part of the
1: joy of having a cat, really.
0: Right. I mean, you know, cats <laughs> cats were domesticated a lot more recently than dogs. They
1: domesticated um, themselves. Like, I feel like they kind of caught on, like, these people have meats. <laughs> they're already prepared
0: right so cats are 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 basically the closest you're going to get to living with a wild animal and so you know you need to be aware that (laughs) they're not like dogs they are they i mean
1: unless you have like a bird or you know boa constrictor or something like unless you have like an
0: actual wild animal (laughs) right 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 sure but cats are you know cats are a lot closer to wild animals than dogs are and you know if you want to get a cat, there's a lot of upsides. Um, they basically take care of themselves. You know, so it's
1: mostly up.
0: Yeah, it's mostly up. You're right. I love cats. I think they're the best. Hey, but, me too. But um, yeah, you do have to commit to having your shit scratched up I sometimes. I
1: don't. I don't understand like some people's arguments for not liking cats. So like, oh, they're so sneaky, or like yeah, they're that person jerks. that's gotten like bitten by a cat before, and like now they don't like cats or. Correct. I don't know, email us and, 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 and tell us, like, if you don't like cats, tell us why you don't like cats. I'm
0: interested to know. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: guarantee you I've got a counter argument for <laughs> you.
0: Yeah, email us so that we can put you to shame on the next one. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Not
1: really, but I mean, I, I really am interested <laughs> to know, like, you know, if I stop liking cats, like, after i got been bitten by a cat, man, Yeah. T-
0: all right. Well, listen, uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. I think that's really a good place to call it at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, join us in two weeks from now. We're going to tackle another topic that, you know, has yet to be determined, but, um, I'm sure it'll be something good. So
1: yeah, guys, thank you for joining us for our first episode of this podcast. Bites. Um, we really appreciate, um, you guys. And if you enjoy the podcast, please spread the word, tell your friends, family, um, you know, cuz we all could use a little advice about our pets, right? And hopefully uh we're going to bring you some pretty, not hopefully, for sure we're going to bring you some pretty useful information. Um, so again, our email address is this podcast bites no like fancy spelling there at gmail.com. And um please like and subscribe and rate this podcast on wherever you're whatever outlet you're listening to it on thanks guys all right thanks see you next time bye-bye thanks dr james